Traveling this holiday season? Well, you and everybody else, but one company associated with travel not cranking out the planes. We'll talk Boeing, a troubled aircraft, and your money on today's show. Featuring thought leader, the money coach herself, Lynette Kilfani-Cox joins us on Money with Friends. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast coming to you from Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. And I'm Lynette Kalfani-Cox, the money coach. Coming to you from, Lynette, where are you? I'm in the great state of Houston, the great state of Texas, right outside Houston, Texas. Right? I was say, some people in Houston would call it the great state of Houston. <laughs> yes. All of this is, you know, hey, Texas used to be a whole country, so we, I can call the city a state. <laughs> Absol- absolutely. This is the show where we open the news. We dive in with financial thought leaders like Lynette from all walks of life. And today, today we're focusing on a piece that comes to us from USA Today, but frankly, it's been everywhere. We'll not only read a little of it to you, like some podcasts, but we'll also talk about why this is important to you and your wallet. One thing important this time of year when you have the inevitable budget crutch around the holidays is tiller money. Head to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF to, to check out your financial life in a spreadsheet automatically updated each day. Tiller's the only service that automatically updates Google Sheets or Excel you choose with your daily spending transactions and your account balances. That's tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. If you go there without us, you can check it out. If you use the MWF, you'll also get 20% off your subscription if you decide to use it. So thanks to them for helping out the show. Lynette Funny Cox is back. We haven't scared you away yet. Not yet. <laughs> so this is sad news. I mean, every around the corner, we always think that the debacle at Boeing is finally finishing and we get more news again this week, Lynette. Nine months into this and now it's unfortunately it's getting worse and worse and worse. So uh, who knows where it'll end? They don't know yet. And I guess that's the latest sort of headline is more uncertainty and more delays to come. Yeah, we'll talk about the whole thing right now. But first, to kick off the show, let's see which one of our uh, friends is going to uh, lead us into it. This is Andy from Derby, Vermont. Friends, check. Money, check. Friends with money, let's do this. All right. Today's uh, piece comes to us from USA Today. As I mentioned earlier, it's written by Don Gilbertson. And uh, Don's headline is more 737 MAX fallout, Boeing to halt planes production in January temporarily. Uh, Don writes, Boeing has planned a temporary shutdown of production for its 737 MAX in January as the timing of the grounded plane's return remains murky more than nine months, as Lynette said, into the plane's safety crisis. The company said in a statement it doesn't plan layoffs or furloughs at this time, but provided no other details on how long it will halt production. Uh, quote, we'll continue to assess our progress toward return to service milestones and make determinations about resuming production and deliveries accordingly, Boeing said. Boeing stop. Boeing stop. Yep, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's my pickup here. It is. <laughs> Boeing stock fell 4.3% Monday following weekend reports by the Wall Street Journal and others that it was planning production cuts or a temporary suspension of production. Beyond the impact on Boeing's finances, there are broader economic concerns. Airplanes are made up of a huge number of parts from myriad suppliers, and the lack of production could hurt those companies and their workers and communities. 
The piece not good news at all. Not at all. Not at all. No, the piece goes on to talk a little bit about uh, travelers and how travelers shouldn't be concerned. Of course, airlines dealt with this a long time ago. So I think in terms of getting where you want to go, that's fine. But 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 I guess uh, let's start here. Uh, I'm in Detroit and we saw this with the auto manufacturers Lynette, we had not just, you know, when General Motors gets in trouble, it's not just about GM. There's all these people that work for suppliers. And even though Boeing doesn't think it's going to have to lay people off, a lot of these suppliers might not be so lucky. That's right. Especially when you talk about businesses that are sort of, you know, mid to middle-ish size, small perhaps as well, parts, components, um, vendors of all kind definitely are going to be affected, you know. They have the financial wherewithal, Boeing, that is, to, to weather this into, you know, X amount. They don't know how much longer they're going to have this delay in production. But the typical small to mid-sized business does not have the financial wherewithal, especially when they've been relying on contracts and on a certain revenue uh, targets and whatnot to be able to pay their employees. And so it's going to be kind of rough, I think, for a, a number of uh, vendors and suppliers associated with Boeing um, in different parts of the country. Let's talk about this from a few different places. Number one, if you're somebody that works for one of these companies, Lynette, you know, uh, we just had an, an automotive strike here in Detroit. So people had to go without most of their income, maybe 90, 95% of their income for a long period of time. Uh, how do you, you know, planning for this is difficult. What do you do to kind of get yourself ready if the, the, the job kind of goes away for a while? I mean, we've seen this in a number of industries. You said, obviously, the automotive industry, but even like government workers who have presumably pretty safe, um, secure jobs. Remember when they went through kind of a furlough type periods, um, government shutdowns and, and things of that nature. This has the potential to be in that same category. Again, Boeing has said thus far that they don't plan any uh, layoffs or anything like that, but we don't know yet, again, how long it's going to be that this crisis is going to continue um, to, to manifest itself. And as, as the story mentioned, as I mentioned, it's already nine months into it. So for employees, um, you should be taking some safeguards, some of the stuff that you know we typically tell people to do all the time. You want to have a good cash cushion or reserve. You want to have a rainy day fund. And, you know, those some people use them interchangeably, having an emergency cash cushion and a rainy day fund um, as if they're the same thing. I, I say that they're actually two different things because the longer term uh, fund sort of tides you over in the event of a downsizing, say, or a layoff or cut back in hours. In other words, to cut it covers all of your monthly bills, whereas a you know a quick emergency fund might be something to just okay my tire blew out or whatever yeah. or I have to repair something. It's a one-time expenditure that has to be covered. Certainly, you need an emergency fund for that, but in general, you need to build up a longer-term emergency fund in case you're out of a paycheck for you know weeks or months on end. Um, and then I think also, you know, um, stay ready. <laughs> you know, uh, one of my good friends in uh, in, in journalism, uh, he says, um, if I ever ask him something about readiness, he'll say, I stay ready. And then he says, you know, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And, um, and he's right, you know, because the reality is there's really no job security in corporate America. 
And so at any given point in time, you could face a cutback in your hours. Um, you know, sometimes people get a pay cut. People get fired, obviously, laid off for all kinds of reasons, whole divisions, close, et cetera. So I do think it's smart for W-2 employees, for workers who work for somebody else, to always either have a side hustle, um, some extra income that they're bringing in, or be prepared, resume preparedness, you know, networking preparedness, et cetera, in case you have to seek employment and, you know, try to get a paycheck or at least get a 1099 uh, from someplace else. I love that idea of always working on your resume. You know, I think people get, uh, get a little complacent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And they think it's going to, you know, it, it can't happen to me. And that's exactly the time that it happens to you. I also think this is another, this is another time to limit borrowing, you know, or to think about, because you see so many people like, well, I have a good job. I work for Boeing or I work for a Boeing supplier. You know, I'm in this food chain that what could possibly go wrong? So I'm going to go ahead and bet month next month's paycheck on a big screen TV or whatever it might be. Um, just another reason why staying out of credit card debt is so important, getting, getting that good financial habit started. And one other thing, that's a great point, just to be mindful of how you're managing your debt and obviously your finances overall, to be careful not to overextend yourself. But I think too that um, individuals and couples should do a financial stress test, right? So if you're single, then you know, okay, I'm dependent upon my own paycheck and it's just me. I don't have a second income or a second party to, you know, kind of weather the storm if, if something uh, goes wrong. But for couples, especially, you know, a lot of times you think about, um, it might be dinks, you know, dual income, no kids kind of thing, or it might be people who have kids. But in general, you should look at your overall spending and say, what would happen if we lost one of our incomes? Or if there was a reduction in one of our incomes, could we still keep everything afloat? Would we be, you know, totally in a cash crunch? And then make decisions again. If you're, especially if you're an employee of a place like Boeing right now, then make your financial choices and decisions based on that. So you're, it, it necessarily makes you to be more conservative in your spending and in your uh, forecasting for everything that you're planning or thinking about doing. I love that. Such more a position of power. Than this always trying to fight uphill, you know. I'd I'd yeah. love that. Let's transition over to shareholders here. Uh, we do this live in front of a Facebook audience, uh, and everybody that listened even the start knows this is live because we 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 don't edit any of this, which makes it more fun. You've no idea what's going to come out of Lynette or my mouth at any given time. Uh, Gregory says he thinks this is an example of idiosyncratic risk. It would have been virtually impossible for an investor to predict this, which I think is true too. Right? Who would have known that a company like Boeing would have a plane that would go that would be have this many problems and have this much sadness associated with all you know these crashes that that created this situation? Um, when it when it comes to shareholders, shareholders for nine months now have been sitting there thinking that Boeing might be getting its act together. Uh, when this news broke originally. The, the share price went down 4%, over 4% that day. Do you, do you, if you own Boeing stock, do you sit and do you wait? Do you, what do you think for Boeing shareholders? Um, so Gregory brought up a good uh, point talking about idiosyncratic risk. I kind of tend to think that um, 
most challenges actually can be uh, mitigated in terms of risk and oftentimes predicted, no matter how remote or far out the risk might seem. Um, the fact is, plane crashes do happen. And um, again, extremely small percentage, we know. This one, unfortunately, we had two crashes, you know, over 300 and something, almost 350 people died. And um, if you were to plot statistically, what is the chances of a plane crash happening? What are the chances of two happening? What is the chance of X number of people dying? I mean, you know, the numbers would have come back yeah. like pretty slim. Yeah. Nonetheless, in general, you know, I think if you're an investor in the airline industry, in any transportation industry, you could talk about trains and look at, you know, um, what's happened with, um, you know, whether it's a CSX type of or Amtrak. And we know derailments happen. We know train crashes happen. Um, we know uh, automotive uh, dealers or manufacturers have faulty, defective um, parts and components and, and, and processes, and then they have to have recalls and then they get sued and so forth and so on. So what I'm saying in a short, in a nutshell is that for um, a Boeing shareholder, you, ra you really should be factoring in industry risk overall. It, it could have been something that was not specific to Boeing, but that affects the airline industry as a whole. You should be factoring, factoring in regulatory risk uh, you know, chances of the feds ordering something that makes production more costly or shifts their business model or profitability in some way. Obviously, you should be factoring in market risk, what's what's happening in general in the in the, in the stock market, et cetera. But I do think that you should have a, a kind of a parachute plan, you know, not to have a pun here with the with the plane, but you know, your exit strategy should be built around the amount of losses you can withstand. And so if you're in the stock and you it's down, you know, 20%, for example, from where you got in, you may or may not have the risk tolerance to withstand that. I believe in having stop losses and in letting your risk tolerance really a reason to dump the stock if it's still meeting your overall objectives, your performance goals, and if in general um, you can stomach the the ride in this sort of you know relative short term it's it's been you know almost a year um but a year is obviously not a full trend and it's yeah. not um indicative of just overall you know decade plus uh long-term performance i love that idea that of of stop losses I, because then you're making the decision ostensibly either a, when you buy it, what your strategy is going to be, or, um, somewhere along the road when you're not emotional, I would think on news like this, you'd be kind of emotional and you'd be, you'd make a rash decision. So where investment advisors and financial advisors will use what's called an investment policy statement, it's kind of the same thing, Lynette, working, working much more non-emotionally about it. Right. Because Anytime you're going to have a knee jerk reaction, whether it's fear, oh my gosh, look what happened. I got to get out and I'm going to dump these shares or whether it's greed, like, oh, let me buy, let me get in more. You could be buying at the top and selling when, you know, you shouldn't as well. So the, the really the smarter strategy is to have, like you said, that investment policy statement It's to have what I call a sell discipline that really guides your decision making. And yes, you do it up front. So that removes or takes away the emotion from the uh, equation because you're 
and it stops you from even from getting greedy because if it was 20% on the upside yeah. and you were anticipating a 15% gain, you might take your profits and say, oh, I'm good. You know, then you lock that in because it's all, you know, paper profits or losses until you actually sell. So, you know, the the sell discipline helps you on the upside and on the downside. I absolutely love it. And I wish more people actually did that. I mean, it's the right thing to do. And so few people do it. Um uh, but great advice. In just a second, speaking of, the, of advice, Lynette and I are going to have our big takeaways from this piece. But uh, while I let Lynette have a moment to gather her thoughts, uh, I want to tell you just a little bit about Tiller Money because Tiller is what I use to manage my money. I love the fact that Tiller's a spreadsheet and people that know me know that I'm not a spreadsheet guy. I definitely uh, don't like reinventing the wheel. I don't like putting the spreadsheet together myself. I know a lot of my friends do, but not me. I'd rather use off-the-shelf stuff. But the frustrating thing for me when it came to off-the-shelf software to manage my money, I found that uh, it all lacking because there was always something that I didn't like and I wish I could change. Well, the cool thing with Tiller Money is that I can download a, one of many templates. Uh, they have tons of different templates at Tiller that I can use. I can then use as many charts, graphs as I want. For me, I keep it very, very simple. For other people, they like to have every single chart in front of them all the time. And you know what? We use the same exact thing. So for ultimate flexibility, I really like Tiller. And if you want to kick the tires, uh, you'll get uh, some time free with Tiller. But not just that, you'll get... You'll get 20% off the purchase price if you use our link, tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. That's a, they're a yearly subscription and you'll get 20% off your first one so you can try it out. Big thanks to Tiller for supporting the show. All right, Lynette, let's take it from here. Um, What's your big takeaway from this mess? Well, I think the main thing for investors is to make sure that you have an investment strategy whenever you buy anything in the equity markets. So whether you're talking about airline industry stocks, even something kind of plain vanilla like utility stocks where you're just trying to you know, get paid dividends or whatever, you should always know what's your time horizon, your risk tolerance. You should definitely make sure that you, um, as I alluded to earlier, have a stop loss in place or know if it loses X amount or if it gains X amount, I'm going to get out. I'm going to take my profits or I'm going to uh, limit my downside risk and, and um, you know, make sure that I don't lose too much. And that's the best way to protect yourself. I, I I love that. I love I love taking the emotion right out of it because, as you know, too many of us make emotional decisions. That's right. Uh, uh, mine, you took the investor side of this. I'm going to take the 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 person working their side of this. So many people get addicted to cash flow and about the fact that I'm going to have X amount of money coming in the future. And it's not enough in our lifestyle. And the reason is there's lots of advertisers out there telling us this. We need all this stuff, Lynette. We got to have more, bigger, quicker. We got to do it. And I'm going to get another paycheck next month. I'll get another one after that. So I'll start betting that money. And that is a road, folks, that goes nowhere. And when you find that that income stream that you counted on all of a sudden isn't there for whatever reason, maybe you don't work for Boeing, maybe you work for a subsidiary or subsidiary of a subsidiary, and it turns out that things don't go your way, that's when you get in trouble. Good people that run good companies 
always focus on not cash flow, but just building up assets and making sure that if things go poorly, that to Lynette's point earlier, that you've got a good cash reserve, you've got a good emergency fund that you can go to, and you've got a plan that when things don't go the way you want it to, that you're in a good spot to endure that possibly for a long amount of time. So I think this is another lesson for those people as well. Great point. Well, that's going to do it for today. I can't believe we made it. For those of you that listening to the audio, you didn't get to see all the fun we had trying to get this baby done, but I think we brought in for a landing, Lynette. Tell everybody what's going on at askthemoneycoach.com. You got some big stuff coming up. Yeah, we're preparing for 2020 to rev up for our tools and online courses and videos to help folks who were paying for college or trying to avoid student loan debt. So it's all around my uh, book series, College Secrets. So we're having fun with that right now, getting ready for it. That's awesome. We'll have a link to all the ways to reach Lynette at at moneywithfriendspodcast.com. Lynette, thanks for hanging out with us again. Apparently, hopefully, we'll see you again tomorrow. That's right. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. On behalf of Lynette Kofani-Cox, I'm Joe Salcihai. We'll see you tomorrow at Money with Friends. This show is created and hosted by Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.